Hola, hello, hi, bienvenido, and welcome back or welcome to Mentors Today. I'm super excited to be converting another formerly known as Twitter X, quote unquote, friendship uh, with my friend Kenneth Burks, who's the founder and CEO of Car Kenny here in Los Angeles. He has an extensive background in the corporate world that he's bringing to his entrepreneurial world now, including roles such as being the vice president of sales and element fleet management and a business development consultant for Hyundai Technology. Kenny brings a wealth of experience to the table that is being used every day now to help form what he's building for kind of the better future that he and I love to talk about on Twitter. Before founding Car Kenny in January of 2021, Kenneth spent eight years at Bridgestone Americas as a senior business development manager there. His educational journey includes an MBA from Pepperdine, Graziato Business School, and a bachelor's degree in applied mathematics from Mansfield University in Pennsylvania. Car Kenny, his company, was born out of the personal frustration when he couldn't dispute a speeding ticket due to a lack of proof of his actual speed. This led him to leverage the concepts behind AI to aggregate car data and provide more real-time accurate information for drivers. Today, Car Kenny supports data from 33 different brands spanning 153 million vehicles, and I bet that number is probably bigger now, uh, which he'll tell us about, that ensures that countless drivers have the security and peace of mind that we all deserve when driving. Kenny's a testament to determination, to betting on himself, and he's a great social media follow. So when we get to the end, we'll make sure everybody knows how to follow him and find him so you all can enjoy his thoughts and his wisdom and his life journey as much as I do. And he's just generally a good guy that I've gotten to know online who I'm super excited to meet here in, in person on the show. So welcome, Kenny. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great to finally meet you, as you said. Uh, enjoy to talk to you on Twitter, but to see you, you know, here virtually and, and talk to you on a podcast. It's a dream come true for sure. Exactly. And you're, you're, we were talking about it just before we jumped on the show. For people in the Los Angeles area, they'll know you're coming to us today from Limer Park, which is an awesome, vibrant, both historic and currently neighborhood in the greater Los Angeles area, off the new K-Line. Just a, a great, great part of the city with a, with a lot of history that folks that maybe don't live there or have never been there should go check it out. So it's, a, it's awesome that you're coming to us from it. And folks can't see it, but you're sitting in a really cool room surrounded by like really beautiful murals and architecture. Yeah, there's a nice mural up there of the Crenshaw Austin Swap Meet. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great space. I'm calling in from the It's Bigger Than Us headquarters, a 5013C right here on Crenshaw Boulevard. It does a great job of just helping with health inequities and uh, inequities in the community. And uh, it's an honor just to be calling from here because it just speaks volumes to where we're going as a company and the people that we want to touch on our journey. 100%. I love that. And thank you for that extra added information because that's a great phrase, right? And it's a good segue to kind of my first question. It's bigger than us. Tell us your story, right? I mean, I, we, we gave the snippet on the, oh, hey, you got a speeding ticket, you know, and that was part of the inspiration behind the creation of Car Kenny. But I suspect there's, there's a much bigger inspiration behind Car Kenny because it's truly trying to attack transit and how we communicate or how we commute and how we transport ourselves in big cities or in society. And so I want you to tell us about that. Like, why, why are you obsessed with automobile data analytics? Absolutely. Great question there. So I appreciate the opportunity to just kind of go deep into my background, how I really got into the automotive space. Because I like to say, or people like to say to me, once you get into automotive, you can't get out of it. Okay. I didn't, I've never heard that. That's awesome. It's, it's a saying, you know, I started automotive, you know, 10 plus years ago and, I, and I'm still here. Uh, obviously expanding to the greater transportation ecosystem now and not just automobiles, because they are just a small part of the system we need to really get around, especially big metropolitans like Los Angeles. 
But to take a step back in terms of my background, I think it's really important. I was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. Um, for the viewers who don't know, that was one stolen car capital of the world, it, at least in my childhood in the 90s, early 2000s. So my association with vehicles growing up was stolen vehicles. You know, we didn't, we weren't privy enough to have vehicles growing up. We rode the bus, walked, took bikes, et cetera. So vehicles were a luxury. And the only thing I really knew about them is they were very fast. And some people I knew were stealing them, you know, from other areas. So um, growing up, I've always had that in my mind, just stolen cars, kind of the 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 harm that a, a vehicle can cause, where, you know, sending someone to jail, um, someone losing their vehicle, or even death, because I do know friends who died behind a vehicle, unfortunately. Sure. So with that in mind, I've always had vehicles top of mind for me. However, again, never owned a vehicle until I got to college and I got an internship with a company called Bridgestone. One of the one of the prerequisites for getting that job was you need a license and a vehicle. And okay. I go, I don't have a license or a vehicle. So I need to, you know, so that was actually my introductions into vehicles, you know, work with Bridgestone, getting a license, and then kind of taking the sales journey through Bridgestone Americas. They put me on a leadership track journey where I was able to kind of start ground level as like a store manager and then kind of work my way up the corporate ladder. Okay. And, that and, Bri- and Bridgestone, for those that might not know, Bridgestone in, in the US, at least, like it's mostly tires, right? It's like around like tires or auto accessories, right? Correct. So Bridgestone, yeah, they're the largest tire and rubber manufacturer in the world based out of Tokyo, Japan, but a large presence here in the United States. They actually purchased Firestone. So Firestone was a, a, a very great American company purchased by Bridgestone. So they have a big kind of umbrella of, you know, market share. However, on, on that caveat, Bridgestone is traditionally known for tires, but they too see the, the conversion of the transportation space. So they actually rebranded themselves as not a tire company, but a mobility solutions company. There's a bunch of solutions for mobility. Obviously, tires and round rubber is one of them, but also data, connectivity, pieces, and assets. So we'll talk, kind of bring that full circle later. But that was my introduction to the background is with Bridgestone, kind of being boots on the ground, working with mom and pops who are coming in for service and kind of the, the, the detriments or the issues that they have with their vehicles. So kind of getting that insight from vehicles um, at an early age in my early in my career and kind of yeah. still Bridgestone was obviously, you know, why I was interested in vehicles. And interestingly, like a whole different perspective on the vehicle, right? So, you, so you, as you already said to us, which I think is incredible, like this idea that in your subconscious, like vehicles carried with them risks and loss and damage and jail and pet, like punishment, like re- basically vehicles were like this crazy, like, why does this happen? Absolutely. Whether, whether you thought about that every day or not as a kid is irrelevant, but like it was embedded in your subconscious culturally. And now you thrust yourself into a world where like people who have vehicles and use them for their businesses or for personal and they're coming to you because they need it to get fixed because they need it. So now all of a sudden you're like on the other side of the like, now I'm going to help do good with vehicles. No, absolutely. That's fascinating to me. So it does. And it gives me a good insight. I mean, that's kind of an analogy for my life, you know, coming from urban America, you know, moving out to uh, Los Angeles, you know, seeing kind of the the better parts of the world. I like to say I can kind of walk two lines, whereas though kind of bring my upbringing and that history with me, but also um, use that to help, you know, go forward with the things I see every day. So same thing on the vehicle aspect, obviously, you know, stolen cars and that detriment in the background of mine was my subconscious. And then moving to Bridgestone, where I'm working directly with mom and pops, very large companies like Enterprise, helping them with their vehicles, Amazon, FedEx, you name it. So that was kind of on the two sides of my brain, seeing the good and the bad of vehicles. And then combine that as I'm working with Bridgestone, I get pulled over for speeding in a small town in Arizona. Scared to death. I had just moved from New Jersey to Arizona. 
I was driving a company-owned vehicle by Bridgestone, and the officer said, you were going 25 miles over the speed limit. We can take your vehicle and send you to jail. So you don't, know, I, I panicked. Like, my corporate career is over. Wow. What do I do? Um, I would say, thank God, you know, the officer kind of got me out of the ticket. He gave me something for like, you know, 10 miles over the speed limit. And I did some, you know, driving school. So, you know, it ended great. But through that experience, I went, if me, a vehicle enthusiast who knows some of these capabilities is scared and have no options, imagine the, the, the mom or pop or guy or gal who is oblivious to some of these, this, the technology or even, you know, some of the circumstances around vehicles. Right. So that was just a trigger moment for me. You know, how do I build a device that allows me to be protected in this moment? Not only from a speed standpoint, but also I knew that stolen cars were a big thing. I knew that the ability to have cameras in vehicles could not only, you know, ease my pain as a consumer being pulled over, but also the police officer, because he's just as scared as well. You know, so it was just a number of few things are going through my mind. And again, as you mentioned very eloquently, my subconscious was kind of going because I knew, you know, obviously, you know, coming up into the East Coast and how vehicles are treated over there data, you name it. So that's really my background of car candy. It's like fascinating. that. And then just that light bulb moment of, hey, I got to do something to not only help me in this situation, but all the millions of Americans and others who could benefit from this kind of technology. So let's do a couple of things. This is awesome. Thank you for sharing all of that. What a great story. Now I want to unpack a little bit on the personal side because I just listening to you discovered something else we have in common. So your journey from East Coast to West Coast, like the whole, like how you got to LA, Southern California, had a stopover in Arizona. Correct. Okay. Where, where was that small town that you got pulled over? Yeah. So I, uh, I originally moved from Newark, New Jersey uh, with Bridgestone. They said, hey, you want to work there? Here's, here's some money for relocation. I'm like, I've never been out here. So, okay. So I moved to Tempe, Arizona, right outside of ASU. I lived there two years. I'm not kind of navigated throughout Phoenix area. Is, is that where you got, where'd you get your ticket? No. So I was driving to Vegas. There's a small town going to Vegas. I believe it's called Wickensburg. There's one stoplight, you know, speed drops from like 65 miles to 30 miles out of nowhere. So, you know, first time going through the town, I was kind of oblivious to, you know, some of the the, the, the circumstances there. So yeah, I believe it was Wickensburg. Right yeah, yeah. Wick, I think Wickensburg and, and yeah, cause it's, it's like the Northeast as you're heading yep. up towards Vegas. Yep. Yeah. I just say really quickly. I was. I think um, just kind of hearing your story of how you kind of migrated from Midwest to you know, kind of the Southwest. I think it speaks to just your background and your knowledge around the automotive space. Because I know one thing living in LA is very car centric, and we can kind of get kind of caught up in that in that scope. But coming from New York City, it's like we walk, bus, train. Like that was the norm, you know. So having that insight, know what's possible, helps me as I kind of build here in LA. It's like yes, we are car centric, but we can be car free. No, hundred percent. For me, it's been like a full circle, right? So I, I was born in the city of Chicago and had a little bit of an urban life before then I grew up mostly in the suburbs and it was very car centric. And then I go to college and grow up through my 20s in very car centric suburban Phoenix. And then I wind up out here in between LA and Orange County and very car centric. And it wasn't until now in my late 40s and early 50s when I moved away to South America and gave up my car, got rid of everything, that then I kind of reconnected with the fact that, frankly, just a better lifestyle and what suits me is a walkable urban life. And I became that walkable urban transit-oriented consumer and citizen in these other major cities around Latin America. Then when I came back, right, as the pandemic started, I faced this question of like, like the default is, well, I guess I'm back in LA now, I should get a car. And I was like, no. I don't, I don't want to like, I, and it wasn't even like, I'm trying to change the planet or I'm trying to do what's right. It was just selfishly like, no, 
like I, I want, I found my happiness in these prior six, seven years was like a walkable urban transit driven life. And I'm like, I want to see if I can replicate that here back at home. Right. I'm like, cause when I left in 2016, I was very typical suburban with a car guy. And, and I'm like, I think I can do it. And I, I'll just have to adjust some of my behavioral patterns and my choices. But I, and I have now, now we've, now we're three and a half years later and this is exactly how I live. And, so it is possible, as you said. Absolutely. And it is great to just kind of follow you on Twitter and kind of see your journeys throughout L.A., you know, using Metro and some of the, you know, got the Metro hat on here. So. I know. Yes. He's got a Metro hat on everybody. So, um, you know, so it's, it's very cool to see your journey because you show what is possible. I mean, I'm not car free yet. I live in Orange County. So it's getting to L.A. is, you know, still not the easiest process, but definitely looking forward to the time where I can be car free as well. So just seeing your story is, is, is Hey man, I take Metrolink or Amtrak down when I go down to see family in Laguna beach and Laguna Niguel. Right. So like I, I'd stop at the, or I'll stop at the station in Irvine and meet a friend for a coffee and then get back on and keep going. Right. So uh, it can be done, right. It can be done now jumping into car Kenny. So at some point we decide to move on from the corporate consultative world and you're like, I'm going to bet on myself because I see, I've see, I've seen these problems. I see these opportunities. So let talk to us about that. How'd you make the leap from normal job guy to crazy entrepreneur? Absolutely. I like to say I was always an entrepreneur, at least as my parents tell me, even five, six, seven years ago, I had a job. You know, I was either working in the barbershop, finding some work on the streets for, you know, neighbors, even going to the store for my family to make 50 cents a dollar, you know, a day. I end up getting a, a job at the corner store because I went there so much. So with that in mind, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always been one to not so much. I would say I, uh, I challenge the status quo. I was always that guy. I want to know why. I know this is the way it is, but why is that the way it is? You know, so I was always that guy. So through corporate, I mean, I was an ideal corporate citizen. I was on track to be the VP of sales at Bridgestone probably. Uh, and that's the reason why I went back for my MBA to kind of accelerate my journey. Because I saw that, you know, most leaders, executive leaders in corporate America had an MBA. So it was just kind of like that, that natural prerequisite. It wasn't until, you know, me fully going back to Pepperdine for my MBA, I met some business partners and I helped incubate my idea in school. You know, anytime we had an a, a opportunity to use a startup idea or some kind of project, of course, I used Car Kenny. It's actually how, you know, I got into the mobility as a service aspect of the business because we started very car centric. But through studies and going to Paris and seeing the other ecosystems, it was easy to identify that cars are only going to be a small ecosystem of the future of the space in L.A. And if we only bet on cars, we're limited ourselves to the actual impact we can have. So we can kind of go deeper into how we gotten from cars to transportation. But in terms of how I left corporate America, it really came down to, I would say, pressure from corporate. I mean, because I didn't want to give up a paycheck. I, I love the I love the guaranteed paycheck and bonus. I was willing to build, you know, simultaneously as long as I could and go to school. You're, you're, you're okay with being your own angel investor out of your, out of your salary. That's how I kind of, you know, uh, bootstrap the business, you know, through some of those, uh, those, those bonus checks, I would say. For the yeah. sales. However, it, it, um, I would say just kind of, you know, in the best way possible, it really just came down to, I had to make a decision. Do I want to work in corporate America and, and not, you know, give all my resources to a corporation, help them build billion dollar ideas that I get no credit for? And not even a thank you in some senses, or do I take some of that same knowledge and build myself? An example was with Bridgestone, not to get too much in detail, but I pitched the idea to Bridgestone oh, after I patented okay. it and it didn't go anywhere. But I saw a few months later, Bridgestone had the same product on the market out of the Europe. And it just motivated me. Like, hey, if they're willing to bet on this, there's some here, Kenny. So that was really the kind of the first time I said, okay, I need to, I need to go full time here. And 
eventually I, I kind of stepped away and, and, and took a bet on myself. Good for you. And so has it been harder than you thought? Um, no, not at all. I mean, it's actually been very enjoyable. I would say okay. I obviously, you know, you miss those guaranteed paychecks every two weeks and the bonus. <laughs> the corporate life was great. You know, company car, didn't have to pay for travel, traveling, whatever I wanted. So it was, it was very, very good life to give up. But in terms of betting on myself and waking up every day, knowing that the work I put in is what I get out. And if something does happen, you know, for better or for worse, I can own that. I can pivot, make a decision. However, um, in other situations in corporate America, you know, there's 25 layers of hierarchy that you can't get through. Yep. So that, that was a real thing. So I, it's been an enjoyable experience. Obviously, some days are harder than others, but being able to, you know, have conversations like these to help impact areas like Lamert Park and things yeah. like that, it, it just makes it worthwhile. So I'm, I don't regret anything. Good for you. And it sounds like from what you said about yourself and your own history is that there's a bit of that bit of that chip on the shoulder in your DNA from when you were five, six, seven, eight year old oh, yeah. kid hustling around your neighborhoods, right? So, oh, so yeah. now so now you're just that kid. You're just you're just the grown up version of that kid who's hustling around in a different playground in a different set of worlds to build something for yourself and take care of you and your family, right? So one hundred percent. I mean, even when I was in corporate America, I've always kind of had that startup, startup centric ambitions that, hey, you know. Let's, let's challenge the status quo here. Don't just be satisfied with, uh, you know, current opportunities. So one example I'll give really quickly of my innovation is through COVID, you know, business stopped for Bridgestone. I mean, they pretty much, nobody was buying tires. I mean, people who were right. buying like Amazon or Walmart, you know, kind of bigger corporations, but there was a lot of folks who were driving, but they didn't have, you know, time or finance to buy vehicles. So we rolled out a program. It was called the Essential Workers Program, where we essentially prioritize essential workers and the one, the one caveat I made to it was, yes, we know that police officers and AMLAMs and mail carriers are, are essential workers, but they already have, you know, opportunities out there to buy. What about that grocery store worker who is very essential to our life? Because without them, we're not eating. Or the nurse who doesn't really, you know, kind of get those opportunities out there, who's working, you know, tirelessly to yeah. happen. So we, we wrote out a program led by myself to really take care of those, uh, take care of those folks during that essential workers time or the pandemic. And it was a model that was copied by other tire manufacturers. But it was just some of the innovation that, I mean, luckily that one passed through, but there was a number of others where, you know, you bring up ideas, but it just kind of fall through the wayside that you can actually now, you know, in your own company. You are, um, I say a lot of times you, on social media and just in general, everybody has the opportunity to be entrepreneurial. Not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to be an entrepreneur to be entrepreneurial, Right. And, and I say my fascination in life is less about like the entrepreneur per se is more is about like entrepreneurial thinkers. Right. Who who are, are either figuring out the way to navigate their own lives in entrepreneurial ways creatively or are figuring out how to attack and solve, you know, society's biggest problems in entrepreneurial ways. So we can have entrepreneurial thinkers in government. We can have entrepreneurial thinkers in banking and finance and in education and in healthcare and like. Ideally, the, I, the idealized society is filled with entrepreneurial thinkers, but not everybody, quote unquote, has to be an entrepreneur, right? But it is great to learn how entrepreneurs think so that then either you can be a great teammate or you can eventually maybe you do something entrepreneurial yourself. So you clearly have had that and you've been showing that through your career, which is awesome. So you launched Car Kenny, right? And, and we referenced some traction, some statistics in the opening, in the bio that are like some crazy numbers. Right. So like, give us the snapshot. Tell, what is Car Kenny today? And then and then after we get through that, we can talk a little bit about kind of where it's going and how, how you're widening the scope of it. But let's talk about like, what is Car Kenny in its current format? I know you're out there 
applying to programs. I've been I've been trying to hype you up on social media with some of my friends that run some of these other programs. But you know, if anybody's listening, like say yes, get him into your program. He's the entrepreneur that you want to help succeed. But so give us that snapshot of Car Kenny today and kind of what it's doing. What is its MVP? How do people engage with it now? And then we'll talk about what what it's going to become. Absolutely. I think it's important to go back to that day back in 2017 when I was pulled over in Arizona because it's okay. where we were and where we're at now. So back then I wanted to build a physical GPS device I could put into a vehicle that tracks speed, had a camera attached to it. But I was no I was no hardware engineer. And it was very costly. So I actually set on the idea for a few years trying to figure out how do we kind of get over that hurdle. And it wasn't until going back to school at Pepperdine where I realized that vehicles are basically computer on wheels. There's no need for me to build a device for a computer because or for the vehicle because most people won't take the extra step to buy a device and they have to install it. There's just right. so much you know, startup cost there. Whereas the, once we realize that we can tap into these data or these software-defined vehicles through APIs or the internet, Bluetooth, whatever you want to call it, really unlock uh, a new set of uh, opportunities for us at CarKenny. So with that, we really just start to research, how do we get access to vehicles? Um, now, you can go direct to the vehicle. Like Tesla is actually starting a new thing where they're pretty much giving an app store to each Tesla, whereas though CarKenny can be an official app of Tesla, which would be you know, a, a great thing. We're actually talking directly now with the, the lead Tesla engineer who's leading that charge you know, to help them kind of navigate that. So more news to come there. But the way we got around that, because there's so many manufacturers out there, they all have different protocols. They all have different softwares, et cetera. We tapped in with an official third party called Smart Car. And through Smart Car, they have partnerships with 33 manufacturers, as you mentioned. And the last I, the last I saw, it was 153 million vehicles globally. Maybe that number did change. They're always adding like new vehicles and new manufacturers there. But it is around 153 million vehicles who have the ability to tap into our platform with a simple internet access. Essentially, they say, hey, I want to give CarKenny access to our, our vehicle. We approve the access and then we have access to, let's say, GPS location, speed data, I mean, vehicle health data, uh, vehicle details, remote access like lock and unlock or remotely start and stop your electric vehicle. If that is a thing for you. So that's kind of where we stand today is a vehicle telematics platform. But the, the sweet thing about it is hardware free. There's literally no hardware needed to make this connection happen. It really just that's awesome. And, and also seems awesome that you can through, as you said, through APIs, like that you're able to plug into kind of an existing supply chain or ecosystem of providers, you know, different vendors and and the data sets that you need so that you, I'm guessing it sounds like some of the value propositions like, hey, CarKenny will go ahead and gather all that stuff in like a nice, super easy, user-friendly interface that then you, the consumer can use without having to like call your car manufacturer or, or work with some like 12 different vendors. Like, so we're kind of like, we're dashboarding it. And I, this is just my word. So I'm, I'm not selling you, selling your, your product for you, but like that, like to me, that's what I hear is like, that's part of the current version of what it can do. No, absolutely. That is a good way to put it. Uh, and on, on a greater note, um, the opportunity is not just a personal vehicle because you, you may be driving a personal vehicle a lot, but you have a family at home and typically they're not the same brand. So you may have a Ford, Tesla, GM at sure. home. That's three different apps you need to uh, monitor your vehicles. That's three different subscription plans, three different opportunities, and some's going to fall to the wayside. So um, on the baseline level, we are a one-stop shop for families and brands so that okay. there is no need to have you know, a Tesla, Ford, okay. et cetera. But yes. on a greater note, and this goes to the future of the space we're in, we believe the future of automotive is a shared ecosystem, not the personal one today. 
So with that said, you may be in a Tesla today because of the share of vehicles that's at your work, your school or your home. But tomorrow it may be a Ford. The next day may be uh, okay. a Nissan Verso or whatever that case may be. So having that one platform that can sync to those different brands is going to be the future of the vehicle space, especially as we get into mobility as a service. And we can talk about that. But that's kind of the idea of it. We're starting today with connectivity, but that same connectivity gives access to multiple vehicles. Okay. And on the next layer, it gives us access to rental cars because the same rental car has the same access. Finally, um, Ubers. I know that's a, a hot topic on the market now, but Uber, essentially, we can connect to Ubers the same way through our telematics platform. So you can start tracking Uber rides. Right now, the, the thing is for teens. Parents are allowing their teens to ride Ubers by themselves. But the one caveat is those Ubers are tracked. Um, there's audio feed from the driver, GPS. Okay. I did not know um, that. Okay. Extra, you get extra vehicle details. You know, so it, it just unlocks and it shows where Uber is going. But it's a space that I've been building this since 2017. So it's just kind of good to see. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, again, yeah. It's a, there's also value to like, you know, it's a whole first mover advantage conversation, right? There's a value to that. And I'm old enough and been through enough cycles to know that sometimes that's valuable and sometimes it's not, right? And the, and the slippery slope of first mover stuff is like, are you, are you, did you move so fast that you're early, right, to a market? So there is value in the competitive landscape kind of being vibrant because it, it also acts as validation to you're on to something, right? But then you've got to carve out your unique value proposition in that landscape of competition. So quick question, obvious question, like if I was an investor or mentor or something, I think I get it now. Now explain to me like either in today's snapshot or kind of what's coming, like who's the customer? Who's the car Kenny paying customer? When I say customer, I mean like who's the person that's paying for it versus the user? Absolutely. So as of today, the customer who's paying for it either is a safety conscious consumer like myself who come from a background like Newark, New Jersey, who know that stolen vehicles are a thing. And I want to, in the event that does happen, I want to have the data and access to either try to prevent it or, you know, get my vehicle back or try to alleviate some of the, the, the costs there. Also, families. Families are one of our biggest target markets right now. Parents who are the fleet owner of their household but also have either high school or a teenager or even a college student there. And they're using our platform to monitor or mon yeah, monitor their, their, fam their family fleet. So that's the current users today. However, as we look big picture, I was thinking about this last night in terms of who are really going to be the users in the future of this mobility as a service, i.e. LA28, which is car free. It's really, I look at it on, on, on two ends of the spectrum. It's one, people who believe in the greater mobility ecosystem. They're okay with Ride Metro today. They're okay with, you know, getting on a bike and scooter, et cetera. And then those people who are just steadfast, I'm not giving up my vehicle. You got to pull it from me. And it's like, how do I, how do we massage the conversation to get them out their vehicle? And we're looking at opportunities of as they travel, maybe they'll be willing to do it then and as they come back home, be more willing to. So it, and on a greater ecosystem, that's how we're going to the two customer bases. People who believe in the mobility of the service model and the greater ecosystem and people who don't. And, and as, as we stand now and in the near future, it's like, I'll just use my word, like consumer driven, right? So it's, it's into it. Is, is there a world, this is just a curiosity for me and my own bias because I have a, like a lifetime of being a B2B kind of guy. Is there a place where Carkenny evolves and becomes like a tool, a software platform, a tool that you could sell to massively to like fleet owners? So like the... And I think there's only probably one company that owns all the rental car companies now, right? But like there used to be 20 rental car companies, right? So like the rental car companies could use it or 
would Uber itself as a corporation with like, and moving towards like driverless vehicles, would Uber want to like leverage the technology or license the software or would, and I'm thinking of a very specific LA example, right? We have, um, I've used them in, in years, but we have like Blink Mobility, right? Which is like these, again, it's really what you're talking about. This future of like, there's just cars that are shared available cars that are, it's like Zipcar used to be a version of that, right? Um, so would those corporates be clients where they could come in and say like, hey, Kenny, we've got 700,000 rental vehicles in our Hertz fleet, but we'd like our consumers to have better experiences. So we're going to we're going to license this and put it in all seven. Is that a possibility? Oh, 100 um, percent. I know there's a joke out there and say all B2C companies become B2B at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I was going to say that. But like, I, that's why I admit my own B2B bias. Like I, I but I'm always curious about the world through kind of a B2B lens. No, absolutely. So um, definitely I, I feel as though obviously B2B is a play. I come from that world. I mean, I used to sell the enterprise, Hertz, FedEx, you name it on a daily basis. However, we feel as though the consumers really was left out. And we want to start that conversation with the consumer, put somewhat pressure on corporations to show that we need to protect our consumers. It doesn't, there's no need for when a consumer drops their personal vehicle, they have protection, but when they're in a rental car, there's no protection at all. So we do yeah. want to put pressure on, on those uh, business fleets out there. So definitely the rental car companies, the shared vehicle providers who want to tap into our ecosystem and get more, more people in there on their platform like an Uber. But also automotive manufacturers. Most of automotive manufacturers are betting on car sharing being the next phase of their, their sales because okay. people are not buying cars at the same rate as before. Um, so we want to incentivize those guys to uh, tap into our model to find the next age of consumers uh, who are looking to, to drive their platform. But with that said, not only those, uh, let's say, suppliers from the vehicle standpoint, but we want to be where people work, play and live. So it's, it's also an opportunity to tap in, you know, we're using the Lacey model, which we just started, we're, we're excited for, you know, being able to have pilots with LA housing, you know, authorities, yeah. UCLA, um, even some of these large, these large skyscrapers and housing authorities downtown who can use our model to help people get around opposed to owning vehicles today. So there's definitely a large B2B play here that we will start to unlock as of right now. We're really just kind of steadfast focus on the consumer getting them to trust our platform so that we add more options in there. They know that car can is a provider that's going to help them get around the city safely. And and if you do it successfully, if you navigate that that bridge successfully, all you've done is you've taken your initial customer, again, my word like customer is the paying person, right? And then you've transitioned them into being the user. And so the truth is they are the customer and the user today. And what you would do in the future is you would just transition them to just being the user and then you would find the compensation, the revenue opportunity would be through through a different paying entity, right? So absolutely. I mean, you um, you the know on ahead. You have know. yeah. we, we do also see opportunity where, because in, in the mobility as a service model, we actually um, look at some of our, our mentors out of out of Europe who have successfully implemented this model, like in Helsinki, Finland. You can look at um, London has a good example, Tokyo, Singapore, etc. Instead of people paying, which is on average right now twelve hundred bucks a month to own a vehicle with maintenance, gas, leasing, they're paying four, five, six hundred bucks a month to fully tap into a, a fully model that gives them car share when they need, Uber when they need, bike, scooter, bus, et cetera. So we still see opportunity where they will be you know, paying us on the platform. However, it's going to be needed corporations and entities to make that ecosystem work because if they're not assets available for them at school or work or play, they're not going to give up the model. So it's, it's important to really have that ecosystem here. And we think starting with the consumer is probably the best 
best way because they're the, the least ones to understand the model versus corporations who can see the future is a matter of when is the pressure from a consumer going to make them make that switch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I've got a couple more questions before we get to the fun part. One of them is, you just made me think of it actually, is um, so part of life and where we build uh, the companies that we build are, are just because that's where we live, right? It's like either where we were or where we wanted to go. Is there below that, is there for you, is it important or is there like an advantage or a unique opportunity for you to be trying to build what you're talking about here in Los Angeles in Southern California? 100%. I mean, you just say LA 28 and people understand that, you know, you can say car free all you want, but there is billions of dollars being invested right now into this model. So obviously it's easier, I would say, to launch the model in New York City, um, where I'm from. We have a lot of government support out there and we want to be kind of bi-coastal on our, on our launch of that platform. Because it's easier to get people to ride, you know, the subway in New York City it is here in L.A. It's just it is what it is. However, when we look at growth potential, government support, investment, you know, following following the lead. L.A. is kind of that model of where we want to kind of where we see the ecosystem going from very car centric to a, a, a fully model. I want to say fully car free. Uh, I know the Olympics. Is that, but just when people uh, think twice about driving their vehicle, they don't think twice about riding the, the Metro Link or the right. So L.A. is the, the, the perfect place for it. And models, you know, speaking with folks like yourself, Lacey, the Long Beach Accelerator, you know, working with Metro. I mean, it, it's the perfect place to build this model. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, and that's it's what I thought you would have said. Um, and I think it's true. Right. It's one of those like if you can prove it here, to use an old New York you know, musical phrase, like if you can prove it here, if you can do it here, you can do it anywhere. Absolutely. Right. So what you're trying to do, if you can prove that here, this is the future. Right. So. While New York is the present in the sense of traditional public transit, the truth is LA, and you hear me talk about it all the time, like I'm interested in what I really think people like you are working on is what this place will look like 50 to 100 years from now, right? And people tease me all the time. They're like, literally, like on the low end of that prediction, you're going to be dead. So what do you care? And I'm like, yeah, but that's the whole point. It's like everything I do is about stuff, like what will be left long after I'm dead. Absolutely. Right? And But yet we have to be putting the pieces of that puzzle together today you know, and over the next 45 to 50 years. So that's, that's incredible. I love that. I love that answer. Okay. You mentioned a couple things. You mentioned my friends at Lacey, the LA clean tech incubator. You mentioned our friends down at long beach accelerator and sunstone management people. Um, you, you've been through some of those or you're, you're going through those processes or you're in those programs communities, which is awesome. Cause those are people that are all about building for the future. What's tactically like what's in the next 30, 60, 90 days kind of on what, what is up next for Car Kenny and, you know, what, like, what kind of help do you need? Absolutely. No, thanks for that question. I would say um, top of mind is Lacey. We recently started there. We actually are going through the process of now finding an executive in residence to kind of be that mentor for us. Nice. Um, so shout, top out, of mind- shout out to Lacey. Hey, Matt Peterson. Hey, 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 Baca. Hey, Carolyn Jones. I know you're listening, right? I love, I love Lacey. I would say top of mind is really just taking advantage of the Lacey, Lacey ecosystem, really just kind of fully ingrained there between you know, the, the partnerships of the great founders who have successfully, you know, done what I'm trying to do. I can look at like Camille right now with Charger Help. You know, I'm looking forward to meeting her. We're all, look, we're all looking at Camille. <laughs> she's, um, she's a shooting star, lighting the way for the rest of us. Or even Joshua with Spark Charge. I mean, things yeah. like that. Uh, and all the other founders that I have, you know, come across – um, just here in LA, who we went through Lacey, just kind of hearing all the great things about. So I would say top of mind is just going through yeah, Lacey. That's great. 
um, you know, taking advantage of that program. We're also right now um, waiting to hear back about the Long Beach Accelerator. We moved on to the next round. So I, I guess right now we have the final decision to see how that will go. But that's that would be a, a very another great opportunity for us. I'm being right there to Long Beach Port. They actually have a lot of automotive data centers right there. The Mercedes-Benz data centers right there, you know, close to the port. Um, the mayor's a, a huge proponent of startup ecosystem. Um, so that right there is also top of mind. And I would say probably last thing, and I'm sitting right here in the headquarters, so I, I want to mention it. I'm um, just doing work with my, my buddy here. It's bigger than us right here in Lamert Park um, because it speaks volume to where we want to go as a company. Um, to start that conversation now, we need to start it with children. Um, so being here in Lamert Park, we have a, a front row access to Crenshaw High School, a bunch of schools in the area. So how do we start this transportation conversation now? Because they're going to be the ones who in 2028 is going to be the one, you know, so it's that right there is probably the, the biggest thing for me, in addition to the accelerators and, you know, getting access to capital and getting in front of new customers and such, but actually just doing the work and actually like just being here to show those, show those examples is, is, is great. So that's really where I spend a lot of my time now is just kind of being boots on the ground. Um, not only, you know, building car candy, but also helping others um, because I know that, you know, it is an ecosystem. We're all going to need each other. So, yeah, those are probably the two big the three things I, I can I can say, you know, the accelerators and then just kind of being boots on the ground doing the work. I mean, with a, like great organizations like, you know, here, but also others throughout L.A. that we can help support. Good for you. That's awesome. Um, thank you for sharing the, that perspective so everybody can kind of have a sense of where you're at now. Right. So we've gone from the whole journey all the way to like, OK, literally what's he focused on for the rest of the year? Absolutely. I love the vision for the shared kind of resource future, right? I love the vision for, I think you slipped in the word there at some point, I use it sometimes like this portfolio approach to how we transit ourselves or how we move about the places that we live. Let's just call it that, right? Whether that be someday in the suburbs or the city or down in Irvine or anywhere in between or in, you know, Lima, Ohio, right? Like unless we're in some really extensive, far remote rural places, like the truth is that I, I agree with you. Like, I, I think we went through a phase that seemed like, you know, during the bust, the boom cycle of say six, eight, 10 years ago, where we just believed like everything was going to be an Uber and nobody was going to drive anymore. And like, we were just going to, and then I think when we came down from that, it was like, Oh wait, maybe we're all going to just keep doing what we've done for the last 70 years. And I don't think either was ever true. Like, I think, I think the truth is what you're laying out and it, it might not happen in the next year it won't happen in the next five completely but it is this it's this slow movement towards kind of a, a new way in which we the, the phrase i use all the time i used it yesterday with my friend from mexico city it's just the way in which we consume this the, the cities or the places that we live so here you are you're building a company whose core purpose and value proposition and revenue streams will come from enabling vehicles that's just like as part of a mobility yet you're wearing a metro hat and you're talking about how can we depend on the car less and how, you know, and so it's, that's the, that's the real answer of life. Yep, we, do, yep. we don't, we don't get rid of X as the problem. We just mitigate X so that it's less of a problem. And then we build the solutions around it. And that's, that's a really healthy just as a friend and as a, as a, as an outsider watching you, that's a really healthy perspective to have. You've staked the, you stake in the ground of what you think is going to come, but you're also saying like, yeah, I'm not just, you know, someday it won't be, car Kenny, it'll be mobility Kenny or something, right? Like it'll, it'll broaden itself out as the aperture of, of transit tools broaden itself out. So you position yourself for a future that now you just got to fight the fight to, to survive, to compete, right? Absolutely. I mean, I like to say that you got to stay in a race to win it, you know, so that's, that's 
that's the name of the game for sure. So just kind of being connected with great partners like, you know, like yourself, Lacey, et cetera, just people who believe in this space is, you know, a, a great space to be in and it's very, very motivated. And the last yeah. thing I would say, because uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's not something that's going to happen tonight. It's not going to happen tomorrow. You know, hopefully by LA 28, the, the conversation has started so people have tapped into it. But it's, it's also why it's so important to be boots on the ground with these kids, because, again, they are the future and helping them now start that conversation and show them that we're not only betting on security, but also transportation and meeting in the two. It's going to be a safe space for you to fully tap into this ecosystem. So it, I think you hit the nail on the head of where we're actually building to and just helping people on that journey from their vehicle to maybe just Uber or rental car to a fully model where I give up my vehicle and I have no no thoughts. Second thoughts. Imagine uh, life life is a service. I always say, laugh. I made it up. Last L A A S instead of SAS, right? But no, imagine imagine being the you know eight to twelve year old today that's growing up in South L A or in Boyle Heights, who because of the work you guys are doing grows up in a world where when somebody like me asks him his story 25, 30 years from now, he references having grown up with this idea that cars were always shared. And cars were always available and cars were on every corner. And even though I, my family never owned a car, we had access to it. And that's how my mom got to her job at the hospital at night. And, and so, like, instead of growing up the way you did when you were eight to 12 years old, yep, yep, right, yep. that's that's progress when you can measure it against that. So that's another thing that I think is so important that differentiates us from others out there is I was that kid in urban America who didn't have a vehicle, who didn't have access to a bike. I mean, sometimes the bus was a luxury so that we can speak to, hey, you know, it's great that we have bike share, you know, in downtown LA and in Hollywood. But what about Boyle Heights? Mm -hmm. What about the Crenshaw area? There is no bike share here. There's no car share here. So not only can we provide the technology, but we can actually be boots on the ground consulting with the metros and the Ubers of the world that you need to be building here. You need to be working here because this is the future. If you don't help these folks, you know, this, this model is never going to take off. So no, it, it's just it's just great to be in space. All right, so let's get to end the show with the best fun part. So we're gonna we're gonna give you a chance to share some of your wisdom. So all I'm asking you is be the mentor for the day now, right? So you you love to mentor young people. You're mentor. You're literally in a place that the name is all about. It's bigger than us, right? And it's and we're we're working on things that are beyond us. So three pieces of advice or three pieces of wisdom that you want to share with anybody about anything. You you've got the floor now for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, no, thanks for the opportunity. When I do go back to talk to kids, I like to leave with be weird. Weird is actually that cool thing will help you stand out, you know, 20, 30 years later. You know, I was, you know, somewhat that kind of the car guy. You know, I knew a little bit about it, but I was, you know, the weird guy who was interested in doing something different. And, you know, 20 years later, I can fully say I am, you know, automotive enthusiast. You know, somewhat some people call me an automotive expert, but that doesn't come if I wasn't, you know, willing to take a chance on a weird space. So if, I tell kids now, if you like, you know, 3D nanotechnology, I don't care what it is, you know, believe in it and go after it because one day that's going to be your calling car. And those who didn't believe in themselves are going to be looking at you, you know, as the kind of that North Star. So that's usually one thing I like to say is like, be weird because again, when I was growing up, the weird kids were picked on, but now it's kind of, it's kind of the flip side. So I like to lead with that. Two, uh, one of the beacons of the startup space is, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Because in, in this space, you know, failure is actually seen as a positive. Like, okay, I, I tried it out, I failed, and now I can pivot. I can pivot a little earlier than, you know, trying to set out, spending millions of dollars on, and then figuring out it didn't work. So, willing just be willing to fail fast. I know that it is a like a common, a common thing, you know, throughout <laughs> throughout the startup space. But I think that right there is just a beacon to like life in general, not just startup, but you know, corporate America, 
relationships, life, you name it. But, you know, be willing to fail because once you kind of recondition your mind on failure, it kind of opens your opens your eyes to a whole different whole different space of life. And I would say third. I would say ask for help. That's probably uh, one area that I'm learning to do a lot more now because ask for help. You got to be vulnerable. You got to kind of, you know, take your pride away and, and say, I don't know something. But through that, it's a very powerful experience of, of asking for help. You know, be willing to, you know, put some of your emotions out there because you never know who you can help, who can help you or what opportunities can come from that. So I think those three combinations, I think not only spread to the startup space, but in life in general. Uh, and whenever I'm you know, in front of some some kids, you know, high school or even younger, I like to kind of lead with those things because those will help me stand out, you know, in a corporate America. And now in this space is, you know, if I don't know some best believe I'm going to be the one asking my, you know, raising my hand and, you know, asking the, the, the stupid question, as they say. Ask, ask, him, ask him for help about the things you're passionate about and not being afraid to be weird. Like that's that's you, man. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, and that's it's I'll say that's the energy that you give online. And so it's just a great pleasure to have had the chance to listen to your story and to just get to know each other a little bit more here through this this medium across town but i'm 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 grateful to know you like i love watching your journey i wish that it all comes out to be exactly as you want it to be i know from experience it won't all come out exactly as you want it to be because that's just not life right but 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 i'm i'm more confident than ever having listened to you that like you have the bones, so to speak, to be able to take the path and, and make the most of it. And again, if there aren't crazy dreamers who are who are working on the weird things that people now in the current day would dismiss and think like that's never going to happen, like that's not that's not the way it's always been, right? If 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 not for those people in every section of our society, we don't make progress. Absolutely. So no matter what we're doing, we got to have some crazy people that are willing to put themselves out there and just dream a little bit bigger than the rest of us do on our daily day. So really, really stoked for you. Excited, glad to be helpful in any way I can, of course. How can people find you on social media or how can people like find the company, the website, et cetera? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very active on my personal social media. My, my usernames are consistent across the board. Mainly Twitter and Instagram are probably the two most active ones for me. Uh, my username is my last name, Burks, B-U-R-K-S, and then it's K-K-0-1. B-U-R-K-S-K-K-0-1. That was actually my undergrad username, and I just stuck with it. <laughs> nice. um, so, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at that, at. I'm um, very active there, especially in the clean tech and the automotive space, always kind of chiming in. Great to kind of talk with you online there as well. In terms of Car Kenny, you can find us on the same mediums, Twitter and Instagram. The tag is Car Kenny Inc., C-A-R-K-E-N-N-Y-I-N-C. We're, we're pretty active there as well. And then as well as LinkedIn, uh, if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, that's another good medium. We actually find a lot of a lot of conversations there with, you know, corporate partners. I met the Tesla lead engineer on LinkedIn. I've been in communication with him. So it's LinkedIn is a great space for me. And I'm under, you know, Kenneth Burks on LinkedIn or Car Kenny. And then finally, via email, if there's anybody that wants to email me, our email is Kenny, K-E-N-N-Y at carkenny.com. Awesome. Yeah, if we've got any, hey, if we've got any investors listening, they're interested in the clean mobility, sustainable transit space, infrastructure. This, frankly, I'm not a fan of some of the VCs that use this phrase that I think is made up by them, American dynamism. But to me, this is American dynamism right here. Is This is the real American dynamism, not that not that faux stuff, right? Like it's people coming from, from real neighborhoods who are real people who grew up as the proverbial like average American citizen, right? Who worked their way up and now are trying to do things that are bigger than them. 
just like the space you're sitting in today. So Kenny, it was awesome to meet you. Thanks for coming on Mentors today, brother. Thanks for, for dropping some wisdom and sharing your story and um, Godspeed and all you're doing. And we'll see you. We'll see you around the Twitterverse and we'll see you around here in, in Long L.A. Absolutely. I look forward to meeting you in person, maybe down in Lamert Park or even in Hollywood someday. But definitely appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I want to say thank you for all you do for the L.A. ecosystem, startup space and everything you do all out there. I'm sure I'm only know an inch of what you do, but just the, the time I've had with you, you're very selfless. You always given. So I'm very appreciative of it. And others out there, you know, definitely, you Thanks, know, trying to, trying, to, trying to leave the world a little bit better place than we found it. So thank absolutely. you. It's great. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Today's show was recorded in Los Angeles and produced by Deanna Bernal in Mexico City. You can always find, like, follow, subscribe, and share our show via any popular podcasting platform, as well as find us on social media at Mentors Today. And if you'd like to connect with our host, you can find Rob at I am Rob Ryan on just about any social media platform. Gracias and thank you.